Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week we're talking about haunted hotels, spooky skeletons, crazy cabins, and perfect question mark period pieces. Hey, howdy, hey. Hello. We're back. Here we are. And we're recording. We totally didn't forget to plan an episode <laughs> this week. We did not. I don't understand how this keeps happening. Last minute. And we're like, huh, we could do a what we watched episode. <laughs> I think literally like since the inception of our what we watched episodes, we've described them as cop out episodes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I know a lot of people who really like them. It's just funny because we usually only ever do them. <laughs> If we've when taken we a break yeah. or if we've forgotten to plan something. <laughs> and, like, that doesn't happen all the time, but it happens, it happens enough that it's kind of embarrassing. It happens more often than we'd like to admit, probably. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're back. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Robbie. And I'm Micah. And we're talking about all the movies that we watched over the past week. Yeah, so this is a little different than our normal episodes. If you're familiar with our regular show, we usually pick the regular one. show. <laughs> We usually pick one movie or show or whatever we're talking about that particular time and do kind of a deep dive. And then at the end, do a little thing we call the What We Watched segment, where we talk about briefly all of the things we've watched <laughs> since our last episode. Well, the What We Watched episode is one where we do the same thing as the segment, but we spend longer time talking about each movie. So we just ramble more, essentially. Wow. So if you would like to hear insane ramblings of what we watched <laughs> in the last week, which is quite a few things, all things considered, uh, then, then strap yourself in. Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, where are we starting from this fine feathered evening? We are starting from October 17th in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> Too true. And we're going to, I guess, the 23rd? To modern day, yeah, yeah that's, 23rd. That's when we're recording, the 23rd. <laughs> so yeah, I think we'll just dive into it. I think yeah. I'm starting us off this time. Indeed you are. Uh, which is cool, fancy, <laughs> fun and fancy free. Uh, and I'm starting us off with In the Mouth of Madness, 1994, John Carpenter. I watched this on the 17th. Um, I'm not the biggest <laughs> John Carpenter fan. Like, I really love The Thing, but I'm not, like, the biggest fan of Halloween or Christine or even Dark Star mm. or Village of the Damned or, like, <laughs> The Fog. Wow. I've seen a lot of so his like movies all at this of point. John Carpenter's uh, movies. They're just not totally my thing. I really respect a lot of what he's doing, especially, like, in stuff like The Fog and Halloween and stuff like that. Yeah. Like he's got He's got something really cool going on, but it's not always my bag. Uh, but... I had heard about this. I had seen some frames from this, mainly just Sam Neill. And I was like, ooh, Sam <laughs> Neill. Um, and yeah. I had to check it out. And then I found out that it's based on Lovecraft's work. And I was like, now I've got to check it out. That sounds super <laughs> sick. And it turns out it was super sick. I I really, really loved what this movie is doing. I can't wait to watch it again. It's technically in the trilogy. Uh, I forget what the... Like, it's like one of those theme trilogies and i forget what it's called i am not sure um, i hadn't really heard of it until you mentioned no it. john car it's like something that john carpenter named him but it's the thing in the mouth of madness yeah. and prince of darkness it's like 
I don't know if it's called like the Darkness <laughs> Trilogy or something like that. Wow. But I haven't seen Prince of Darkness, just the thing in this. <laughs> uh, but man, this is like the first thing fr- since The Thing that I've watched that where I'm like, yeah, John Carpenter's got the juice. He knows what he's doing. Because I think The Thing is like a practically perfect movie. And I kind of feel the same way about this. It's got such a great atmosphere. Sam Neill is like incredible in this this might be my favorite sam neill performance which, which is saying something. i love him in like yeah. everything he's great in until the end of the world and in jurassic park um i i'm a huge sam neill fan and i just i i love what it does it captures the vibe of lovecraft in a way that i'm not sure most like direct adaptations of his work could while also doing something really neat with the plot and the way that they have essentially their lovecraft standing character be like the central focal point that Sam Neill's character is interacting with. Mm -hmm. Like, so like the guy who writes essentially love HP Lovecraft is essentially like in the story. Yeah. And he's writing his own stuff and it's coming to life. And that's super cool. I love what it's doing. (laughs) It looks amazing. It's got some really memorable imagery, some really fun effects, just like not, it doesn't go as crazy as the thing. Obviously it never really is, has (laughs) few things do. I was about to say, it has the need to go as crazy (laughs) as the thing. But they do still have, like, some really fun, like, carpenter effects, lots of, like, head spinning. And in this, there's, like, armies of crazy Lovecraftian creatures. There you and go, man. It's it's so much fun. There's one point where, like, the screen rips open and it turns into, like, pages of a book. <laughs> and it's it, there's just so much awesome. cool stuff yeah. in this. Really strong imagery, great direction, great performances. And honestly, I really liked the story. I think it... I think they did a really smart job of doing kind of a very meta look at Lovecraft's work and really a meta look at like kind of horror and monster stuff in like film. Interesting. Which, yeah, it's very cool. I did I did some fact checking while you were uh, talking and it's called the Apocalypse Trilogy. The Apocalypse Trilogy. I knew, I knew <laughs> it had a name. Yeah. The yeah. Apocalypse Trilogy. I guess the apocalypse happens in all of them because that's two for two. I don't know what happens in <laughs> Army of Darkness. <laughs> well, I mean, unconfirmed that the apocalypse happens in the thing. You can kind of assume, but <laughs> it'll happen. Like it will get there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I gave it a five out of five. I put in my review the biggest downgrade from this versus like if they did kind of a more direct thing is all of the naming sucks. Like <laughs> outside of In the Mouth of Madness and like the actual book names, because that's the name of the book mm-hmm. in the in the movie. Yeah. But like the author, instead of being like H.P. Lovecraft is like Sutter Kane. And I mean, like that's not a horrible name. I forget what the town is called. It's like Hobbs <laughs> End. And I'm like, this stuff is kinda lame. <laughs> Could I don't be know. cooler. Like, dude, you're telling me like Hobbs End horror is <laughs> is cooler than Arkham horror. <laughs> right. I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. I I'm excited a, to see it. Yeah, then. I gave it a five out of five. I really loved what it was doing. Very nice. Uh, on the 18th, or like late on the 17th, uh, I watched Return of the Fly, which came out in 1959. It's the sequel to uh, the classic The Fly, <laughs> uh, which came out just one year earlier. So uh, a lot of people have kind of criticized Return of the Fly for being like, one of the first examples of like a rushed horror sequel 
A and cash grab sequel. Yeah, it very much is. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of a retread of the first one in a lot of ways, but also it's like a way different thing. Like altogether, it has a very different feel to it. Um, instead of being about like a marriage relationship, it's about like these three scientist colleagues and like one of them backstabs them and like tries to sell the uh transporter thing to like the black market (laughs) it's very strange um but like on this one the fly goes on like a full-on rampage at the end and like is just (laughs) you know killing a bunch of people i'm like this is kind of awesome actually (laughs) what about his giant mask yeah dude (laughs) one of the reviews on here said um the success of the first movie must have gone straight to his head because it's enormous in this one. <laughs> but dude, if that if that is like his body there, yeah. then that's huge. Yeah, no, it's like it's like very bulbous and like it's it's actually kind of funny to look at. But like one of the things that was so cool about the first fly is how like good all of the effects look. And I would argue that they look just as good here, just not um nearly as realistic probably yeah uh you still get like some fun like body horror stuff which is basically the bread and butter of the fly movies yeah uh but you get like again the little fly with the human face which is still so disturbing i don't i don't like those things cronenberg's fly (laughs) right has my heart you have like a little guinea pig with like little human hands you have like the guy with like giant guinea pig paws it looks so scary i don't i don't know how they got it to look so scary i'm like but yeah i think it's um off-putting in like the best way i love the black and white cinemascope um i i think honestly think that this one wouldn't look as good in color as the first one because the first one's very uh, like theatrical and like that's part of the appeal of it you can yeah. see like all of these bright colors it's, it's almost very classic hollywood look from yeah what i've is. seen and this one's only a year later and it's it's leaning like full b movie and i think it works a lot better in black and white honestly uh but yeah i i thought it was a fun time like the plot is a bit nonsensical but i was kind of loving every scene <laughs> So I I would happily watch it again, and I think that's high praise. Uh, But I gave Return of the Fly a four out of five. Probably a little generous, but (laughs) I had such a good time with it. I'm I'm so excited for um, Curse of the Fly, which reportedly is the worst of the trilogy um, because it has like the least amount of actual fly stuff in it. But (laughs) I'm I'm still excited. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, after that we went and watched. Wait, what did you give it? I gave it a four out of five. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, yeah, on the 18th, go ahead. Oh, yeah. We we went out uh, to the theater, actually. Yeah. And we watched The Shining. Yeah. Uh, we had mentioned it, I think, the last couple episodes since it's been going on <laughs> for, like, the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but a theater near us, every Wednesday doing a old horror movie. Coincidentally, they're all King they're adaptations, all King adaptations, which is kind of yeah. funny. But this was the third one. This was the one we were most excited for. It was The Shining. Yeah. And it was very, very cool to see in theaters. I mean, this this is now my proclaimed like favorite horror movie at the very least, uh, if not favorite movie ever. <laughs> um, and seeing it in a theater, it was even like scarier. It was even more engrossing. Like, obviously, there's a lot of benefits to watching something on a bigger screen versus how I watched it the first time at home. You yeah. know, as good as it was at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, this was my third time watching the film and like all three times it's kind of hit very differently. (laughs) And this time it was just like, 
it's so captivating and so much like I don't know the, the best way I could describe it is like very similar to watching like the 2013 Evil Dead, which is very funny. Such a funny comparison. Um, They're way different. Way kinds way different. Of but let movies. me let me explain that. <laughs> Hold your horses, uh, because that's like a super oppressive film. Mm-hmm. And I think on the first and even on the second time I watched The Shining, I didn't feel just how like kind of overwhelmingly oppressive the film is it's suffocating but, dude and this time in the in, in the theater like i when it ended when we hit the credits <laughs> i literally like untensed and like sighed i was like yeah. oh. i was like man it's over and like really like i i was happy like it's such a great film i think that's a real testament of like what the film is doing that it has that feel to it and seeing it in theaters is just it increases that so much. Yeah, I mean, people have written literal books about how like amazing this movie is. Yeah, uh, it's The Shining. It's The Shining. <laughs> but no, seeing it like it looks amazing up on the big screen. The cinematography obviously is incredible in oh this. Oh my goodness, the blocking, the lighting, the production design—literally like everything. The I'm, camera movement. Yeah, I mentioned it when we talked about <laughs> Doctor Sleep. How like kind of sad it is to see the overlook hotel not really shot in the same way as this because like in this you just you know the overlook hotel you don't you don't see the whole layout because it doesn't actually exist yeah but like you know like i don't know when i watch this movie i'm like i feel like i know where everything is in the hotel you have such a good sense of like location and feel yeah, no, I, like everything about the movie is so well defined and like it just has such a clear like vision behind it and it's so well conceived <laughs> just as a horror film that I can't help but like just love every scene. Like literally just a, any given scene from The Shining, I'm like, wow, that's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> dude, it's <sighs> it's just the best. Yeah, the performances, of course, are incredible. And Jack Nicholson is like crazy in this as everyone knows Shelley Duvall is giving such a memorable performance oh my goodness, dude. yeah she's, she's so good here. even the kid who plays Danny what's that kid's name his name's Danny his name's oh Danny Lloyd <laughs> that's funny Danny is giving a good performance here like it's just all good I can't I can't name like a single bad thing about The Shining right it's bizarre it's captivating it's terrifying it's suffocating and it's really really fun I just I always what always trips me up is I haven't found like a horror movie um i struggle finding horror movies that genuinely like kind of make my skin crawl and this is one of them which i just (laughs) never expect because it's really not like that violent by today's standards but it's it's very off-putting in all the right ways i think yeah for sure and i really admire it for that i was about to say one of the big things and i specifically noted it this watch is kind of the the potency of the lack of violence Mm -hmm. in the shining yeah and like how little jack torrance like actually does (laughs) like he just kind of yells at people yeah he mostly just like he mostly just like yells and like verbally abuses people exactly which is really really compelling for how his character plays out it feels like he's of, ripping them to pieces i was about dude. to say that kind of the, the <laughs> real sense of jack because if he just became mm-hmm. like this murder machine just chopping left and right um i don't think he would be nearly as memorable or powerful as a character yeah. but because he is uh like just this overwhelmingly kind of realistic feeling betrayal of what can happen with somebody like you know somebody can genuinely be that like verbally abusive to somebody very easily it's not even like it's not even that crazy of a realm of Mm -hmm. thing it makes him such a more threatening force 
Um, exactly. It grounds the whole story really well emotionally and just I don't know. It's it's so good. It's like it's like the perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, and basically. I think it, and I think it works really well too with the with the ending for his character, which I wasn't fully into yeah, before, dude. but like I think this time around that really stood out to I me. I love it so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a 5 out of 5. Yeah, I gave it a 5 course. out of 5, yeah. <laughs> uh, then on the 19th, we headed back out to theaters again the very Ooh, next day in IMAX for this time. the premiere. IMAX premiere like widespread premiere yeah, anyway not the, not the like worldwide premiere or something um, like the the your local theater premiere <laughs> of killers of the flower moon there's a lot of lead up that was a lot of lead up but <laughs> new yeah scorsese new movie. scorsese 2023 scorsese <laughs> the man's like 87 years old but we're still getting some of the the best movies ever my goodness dude i I hope that I can make a movie even half as good as this at like in my 80s or something. Your rating still depresses me so much. But yeah, dude, Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything about it. I'm trying to think of the best way to tactfully talk about it because obviously it's I, like it's a, very new. It's yeah. history, though. Like, so I can't like spoil the ooh, the, Whoa. maybe the Osage people were killed off. <laughs> wow, who would have thought it? Maybe they yeah. stole their land. Um, hmm. But like a lot of the finer details and everything. But this is incredible. I cannot believe that we got this and Oppenheimer in the same year. <laughs> Can you believe that two like three hour massive historical fiction pieces? They're by, not historical fiction. Or not historical. Not, yeah. Just historical. Yeah, just historical movies. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Historical you dramas. You mentioned historical fiction earlier <laughs> and threw me off. Yeah. But just massive like chunks of history and done in completely different and both equally <laughs> effective ways in my opinion yeah um the more i've sat with killers of the flower moon the more i've like really really admired what it's doing it's easily out of all of the films like and i've seen all of scorsese's narrative features <laughs> i did a whole ranking of them yeah. earlier um out of all of his films and almost all of them are touching on like bad men doing bad things <laughs> yeah pretty and much for some societal reason going into that um and that's kind of that's kind of his thing that he touches on out of all of his films that he's done and he's done some ones about pretty rough people um <laughs> this one feels just the most absolutely sinister and disgusting it's a it's, yeah it's a very gross movie it's like it's grimy yeah dicaprio you want to like he just he just is like almost like repulsive <laughs> in this movie he given really his is. character yeah and like de niro is like disgustingly charming and mm. his role and like it's it's crazy stuff i really love what they do with this I, lily gladstone is giving just one of the most incredible performances i've seen i think she's like i mean i this isn't like a hot take or anything but she was my emotional like grounding performance yeah through the whole movie I, well i think she's honestly uh, the standout performance we've yeah. seen stuff like similar to this before from de niro and dicaprio and they're really good in this obviously but like lily gladstone is like stealing the picture here yeah um, I wish she was in it more Ugh. yeah i wish i wish she was in it a tad bit more yeah but just in general, like, she does so much because, like, again, one of the things is, like, this is, again, told from a very true story. And Molly yeah. was just a very, like, a very quiet person. Yeah. We have no, we do not have much account of what she actually thought or what she actually said because she just didn't say much. Yeah. Um. So to take that level of a character 
and not like add in a bunch of dialogue and a bunch <laughs> of things and to portray her in such such a interesting powerful sympathetic really yeah. like just gripping way with so little dialogue is incredible yeah um i i i don't know i wasn't as on board as a lot of people were for a lot of um de niro's stuff in this like the two like like you said the two like main bad people of the movie <laughs> i just wasn't as invested in a lot of the stuff that they were doing for a lot of it. it i don't get it yeah i don't know i want to give it another rewatch um because like i really admire the way it tackles its history and like the way it goes about framing its story and i love the performances i think it's a masterfully made movie i love the score the editing the composition the rhythm of it it's it's a spectacular feat of filmmaking yeah. dude the music in this <laughs> dude, is incredible yeah the way um, they score it is it's crazy because it's very reminiscent of something like um you know like scorsese's other as i would describe them like montage films yeah where there's like a constantly just like a beat going in the background right. of some kind but it's very interesting too this time around because it's such a different musical like landscape mm -hmm. than you'd expect yeah. for this like again like the moment like the oil comes up in the one scene <laughs> with the osage people like dancing around in it they play like electric guitar i was about to say the guitars dude the, they keep so coming much, back there's such interesting use of rock music in this and actually one of my friends who's like a musician himself mm -hmm. did a really interesting like review talking about kind of the way it even uses musical history to kind of punctuate its point yeah no i mentioned in my review that it's i think it's a technical masterpiece and it's really like personal and it goes about telling its story in a really thoughtful way and i really respect it but i just wasn't like fully invested in Ooh. a lot of the like actual crime Ooh. stuff i love like, get off the stage <laughs> i love like the central like romantic relationship like that was the most captivating part of it for that's me that's the main part of the movie i know i know which is why i generally like the movie i think it's really great <laughs> um but i just wasn't a hundred percent there for the whole time i also needed to take a nap before yeah that's that's i think what really did you yeah add. this is a long this is a long it's so long it's a it's a genuinely long film yeah so we um, were we were in the last like maybe 40 minutes and i was like oh gosh i just i <laughs> want it to be done i was which is a really screen. terrible thing yeah to say about this movie because like i said it's really well paced and like i was about to say similar similarly to rhythm, similarly to the irishman which is also freaking mm -hmm. long um i just like even though you feel it's like you can't make a movie this long and and not feel it's like yeah. any long movie that gets over like three hours you're going to feel the fact that more than three hours <laughs> is going by well and again that's not but always i was about to say thing. but that's not always inherently a bad thing yeah and like and i think similarly the i was about to say similarly to the irishman good. i was just never like yeah it's long but i never once wanted it to be over yeah i was like rolling with it i was ready to be in it for like three more hours i honestly wish it was like two hours longer i was about to say yeah i put it in my review i put it in my review i thought this was very funny i was like my biggest complaint might actually be that it's not long enough yeah which is very funny because it's three and a half hours well there's um, a lot of like small spiritual themes that it touches on and doesn't really get to fully yeah, flesh out there's a lot of a lot of the stuff one of the one of the big things and i understand why it is the way it is especially given the framing device given at the end of the mm -hmm. movie but i wish i wish the osage people were focused on a little more not yeah. even just like oh i can't believe they didn't focus on the osage <laughs> just like because i find it personally interesting yeah. and would love to see more of their culture portrayed and I love the spirituality stuff that they get into with them. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like just, 
it's great. I was and about to say. I would just love to see more. There's, there's a moment um, with Lily uh, Gladstone's character uh, <laughs> that literally I like gasped. I think when it, when it happened, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, it's it's incredible stuff. This is one of the best movies that's been made in a while. It's I, one of the best of the year, man. One of the best of the year. And it's what so did good. you give it, Ruby? I gave what it a four out of five. The same as Return of the Fly. <laughs> silly. In a very silly fashion. <laughs> I gave it a five out of five. It would... I don't know. I just... I, I couldn't, in good conscience, give it a perfect score with how disengaged I was for maybe, like, 20 minutes of it. Which is a real shame. I want to I wanna love it, like, that much more. So tisk, I'm going to give it another... Tisk. I'm going to give it another try. <laughs> Tisk tisk. Uh, then, what did we watch, Trevi? Uh, then we turned on a short film called Once Upon a Studio. Yes. Uh, it's a new Disney Plus thing. I think it's gonna premiere with Wish in theaters when that comes out. Probably question. Yeah, I think so. Um, but um, but no, we watched it, was... it on Disney Plus. Yeah, I was curious. I'd actually like the reason I wanted to check it out is I had seen Shafrilis's video on it, mm. um, and he was talking like about it pretty positively, which I was not expecting. Given, Very positively, <laughs> given what it looks like, and yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta check that out then. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was really fun. It's sweet. You can tell it is, like, just like he said, like, there's not much to it, but you can tell, like Shafrilis mentioned in his video, that it's just made out of a place of, like, actual love for the <laughs> characters and not, like, here are 40,000 brands we own and yeah. that you should buy. Just, it feels a lot more loving than, like, you know, they added up all the analytics and here are their most popular characters, yeah, you know? <laughs> like, it's still Disney and they're still like, here are all of the characters we made. Yeah. So it still kind of feels like that. But there's some genuine love here. I love the blending of animations that they pulled a lot of old animation and did some unique 2D stuff for it. Yeah. And kept those 2D styles. Because, again, you take something like Wreck-It Ralph, it would be so easy for them, <laughs> like, and Ralph Breaks the Internet, to do, uh, like, weird, ugly 3D models of everything. Yeah. Um, but they kept the old animation, and it's really charming. And I think what really makes it work and makes it feel a little bit better than, like, you think it would be <laughs> is just the, the amount of obscure characters that appear in this. <laughs> that you really have to, like... A lot of deep cuts. Yeah, you really have, like, a bunch of stuff from... As deep pretty, as a Disney movie I was about to can say, be. <laughs> a bunch of stuff from some pretty hated Disney movies, like yeah. Treasure Planet and The Black Cauldron, and even just some lesser thought-about Disney movies, stuff that's not hold, held up in, like, the pantheon <laughs> of Disney movies. Yeah. Like, there are, like, five Meet the Robinsons characters. That is still so weird. Which, that is not usually, like, <laughs> uttered in the same breath as, like, Moana or right. something. Um, so it was, just, it, it was cool. It was fun. There's not much to it. I, I literally just left a one-word uh, one review that said nifty. Yeah, <laughs> I think, that's, that's an <laughs> I think appropriate that's review. It. It's, not, it's not, like, amazing or anything, but I think it's, I think it's cool it's for nifty. what it is. Yeah, it's nifty. It's neat. <laughs> <laughs> then what did you watch, Remy? Uh, then I turned on my second Toby Hooper movie. Toby. Yeah. Uh, old Texas Chainsaw Man. Texas. <laughs> Uh, he made another movie about uh, rednecks. Rednecks, <laughs> and it's called Eaten Alive. Alive, and it has it has a animatronic crocodile in it. Always, which cool. is like the coolest thing you can put in a movie. <laughs> just about. 
If it's about rednecks and it doesn't have an animatronic <laughs> crocodile, what are you doing? That really is like the coolest thing here. I don't know. I, I'm so torn on this one because like on one hand, I really admire what it's like attempting to do. Like it's very like surreal and like stagey almost like this is shot entirely on like two sound stages by the look of it. Um, and it's like bathed in these crazy colors and like all of the performances are very like just kind of manic and strange <laughs> and like nothing really makes sense. It kind of feels like a weird dream you had, <laughs> um, but it just doesn't come together for me. I, all the characters are just way too annoying <laughs> for me to be on board. <laughs> yeah, just even like, well, the thing is, like you get all of these visitors to this like hotel in Louisiana uh, and the guy who owns it keeps killing them or like inadvert he I think he accidentally kills the first person or something uh, and then it keeps like escalating from there. Uh, people keep getting fed to the giant animatronic crocodile <laughs> uh, in various ways and it's kind of cool but like all of the people are just so annoying to watch like yeah. there's like screaming kids and like, Every, everyone's just yelling all the time they're either yelling or whispering and i'm like this is killing me <laughs> it was it's a deeply unpleasant movie and not in the way that i would praise something like texas chainsaw massacre for his his film that he made right before this yeah um, which you could you could claim it's very similar in its dialogue but there's so much less dialogue yeah, that's in... the thing this one's like non-stop dialogue almost which is crazy why would you make, why would you make a movie <laughs> like this like a weird um louisiana slasher like there's like monologues and like constant arguing and bickering and everyone i don't know and whenever there's not talking, they have this country radio that's just playing the whole time at any given volume. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I found it to be an unpleasant experience. Um, and even though even though I thought the lighting was cool, I thought the fog machines were awesome. I love giant crocodile animatronics. That was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> uh, it just was not for me uh, on a wider, <laughs> like on a wider scale. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, setting, staging, awesome. Everything else, uh, not so much. <laughs> I gave it a two out of five. Womp, Eaten alive. Womp, Strange womp, film. Womp, 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 womp. I don't think I actually said the name of the movie at the beginning. <laughs> no, you did. You did. Okay, it's called Eaten Alive. <laughs> uh, then we also went on to Disney Plus, <laughs> yeah, and again. we watched. This very rarely happens. Actually, <laughs> we went on to Mickey and Friends Trick or Treat. Treats. Treat, treats which is another one they did like this weird stop motion and i think it's done by one of the studios that worked on robot chicken if i'm not mistaken yeah it's um stupid um, buddy studios yeah which is very funny but they did <laughs> they did one for christmas last year yeah that is like a claymation you know robot chicken style i was about um, to say they're not strictly claymation but they are stop motion yeah um, i was about to least. say not like claymation but you know that robot chicken mm -hmm, style yeah, stop yeah. motion they did one for christmas yeah mickey saves christmas Christmas. now they did one for halloween yeah and you know what i was not a huge <laughs> fan of the christmas one but this one was pretty fun it's pretty comparable yeah. to like an episode of mickey mouse clubhouse and this is like the greatest episode of mickey mouse clubhouse of all time if that's the comparison you know yeah like it's it's really fun it's 
it's got some very spooky things. It's very clearly for like little kids mm-hmm. and it pulls that off well. Yeah, I thought the songs were fun. I think it looks really good. Like yeah. the designs of everything, the way, the way it's lit and shot is really cool. Um, I love the 2D ghosts and everything. Like it's it's a really good looking thing for what it is, and it sounds pretty good too. Yeah, if I I mean if I saw this when I was a kid, I would <laughs> I would absolutely adore it, and yeah. I think it's really cute and sweet now. Yeah. I think it's a lot better executed than the Christmas one, but I think that's just because they gave this like this is like, like a TV show episode. Yeah, time. it has like the a other little, one. Yeah, the other one was like. Minutes. I, I forget how long the other one was, but it was pretty the short. The other one's 23, dude. The other one's... T- what? Just not much happens. What happens in that? I do not remember They're anything. like hanging out, um, and then Santa crashes. They go back to the workshop antics at, as they That's try and make so the presents. Because like all the presents fall in the ice or whatever. I do not remember this. <laughs> yeah. Literally all I... Well, at any rate, it's not as memorable. At any rate, the Halloween one is far more. It's memorable. much better, yeah. And yeah, I think I think it's fun. It's spooky. The songs are good. The mood is good, um, and it's fun. <laughs> nice, I liked it nice. a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll give a quick shout out to quick this. Shout go to this. We also watched while we were on there. We saw Pluto Junior. Pluto Junior. And that poster was pretty epic. He's so cute. So we watched Pluto Junior. <laughs> and where did he go? What happened? What to happened Pluto to Junior? Did he? Did he die? <laughs> what happened to Pluto Junior? Dude, and has he appeared in anything else? I love. I love that. Pluto Jr. is literally the whole appeal for me. It was just Pluto Jr. is like the cutest dog of all time. Right. Pluto Jr. is a solid win. Not too much. Like, it's a fine short. It's, it's a pretty funny. short, yeah. It's basic, honestly, like Looney Tunes style stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty boilerplate as far remind, as like physical comedy I was going to say, it reminds, me a, it reminds me a lot of um, Tweety Bird. Yeah, that, that kind sort of, of thing. That yeah. kind of dynamic. It's pretty much just reskinned Tweety Bird um but it's fun yeah it's fun <laughs> go watch pluto jr go, if yeah. you want to see a cute little dog get, get some pluto jr rep <laughs> um then on the 20th we watched the monster squad the monster squad a classic maybe um 80, cult classic cult classic at the very least 80s halloween tween movie yeah, uh, directed by Fred Decker and written by Fred Decker and Shane Black. Yeah, Shane Black <laughs> on the screenplay, uh, which is unfortunate, though. <laughs> the letterbox people love Shane not, Black, uh, Well, I like Shane Black, <laughs> but this is not the move. No. Uh, especially on a writing standpoint. Oof. I was not a big Monster Squad fan, uh, and it's not even, like, the plot isn't bad. The atmosphere's pretty good. It's got that fun, like... 80s teen movie vibe you know yeah it's got something going for it it's got it's got a charm going dracula's um, fun i love uh, all dude, the monsters i love are all fun. the monster stuff literally like, any monster scene i'm like heck yeah every <laughs> other character in the movie besides the monsters actively <laughs> suck in some way or another they're all unlikable yeah, it's really interesting because Shane Black loves to play around with, like, tropes and, like, you know, archetypes in his movies. Yeah. And it just manifests in a really ugly way in this one, you I know? I was about to say, this has got, like, all of the worst, like, tween movie <laughs> yeah. ki- like tr- tropes out there from yeah. the 80s. And, like, these kids suck. I want to, like, yeah. I want to punch these kids. <laughs> like, I, I really do kind of hate the group of kids that it centers They're terrible. around. They're terrible. They're terrible people. Why would I root for them? Everything they do is is gross. <laughs> right? Yeah, dude. Um, 
really that is my biggest critique of it because I think um, like from a production standpoint, it's really impressive and like the costuming looks really good. Um, the effects are really cool. The sets are generally awesome. Like there's some cool set pieces and everything. Yeah. But, like, it just really grates on my nerves in, like, any scene where it's just, like, the kids hanging out doing stuff. I'm like, this, Which I think makes the movie, to me, kind of obsolete because I think so many other movies are doing this exact same plot. (laughs) Like, not exactly the same, but, like, I put in my review, it's almost, like, it just feels so comparable in plot, so overdone, so comparable to something like Paranorman or most, like, Disney Channel Halloween with monsters. I mean, this was the late 80s, dude. There, we're not getting that far into like meta like genre well, no, dissection beyond, beyond that know? it's just like i'm just saying like this just basic plot mm. premise and the way yeah. it plays out that's feels true. so that's overdone true. yeah like not no i don't want it to be like some meta <laughs> thing but just like the concept and the way the conflict plays out is so overdone. that's fair yeah i gave it a two and a half out of five i gave it a two out of five i just i was not into it i wouldn't watch it again i would watch like compilation of all like dracula <laughs> scenes or all the creature from the black lagoon <laughs> scenes i loved him and right he's very fun <laughs> uh then i think it was later that day was it? Yeah. yeah it was later that day on the 20th Dude, we watched, we watched so much stuff on the 20th scooby-doo spooky scarecrow spooky scarecrow which was one of the it's one of the films i had not seen from scooby-doo because i did not in my watch through <laughs> of all of the scooby-doo movies watch all of kind of the short film yeah, episode length ones like yeah. they're not attached to any tv show but they're essentially just an episode of a <laughs> scooby-doo tv show yeah um, and this was one of them that I that I hadn't seen before. I like the scarecrow design. Yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's it's pretty fun. It's like <laughs> I would say this is like just Scooby Doo. Like this is like base level. This is Scooby-Doo. Like, yeah, this is like the most basic uh, version of Scooby Doo you could. It's not get. doing. It's not doing anything wrong, <laughs> and it's not doing anything amazing. Exceptional. Yeah. It's just it is a episode of Scooby Doo that did happen. <laughs> it wouldn't be one that I would ever be like, oh, you've got to watch Spooky Scarecrow. No. But there's nothing wrong with Spooky Scarecrow. It's so Scarecrow. predictable, dude. It, it like that's not usually well, a criticism I would no, throw at well, Scooby Doo. How much of the TV <laughs> show have you watched? That's the true. TV shows are like this. Yeah. They don't have time to. Do, they don't have time. They to, don't like, have set time up these to set up a bunch of, of yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, that's one thing that's really different between the movies and the show is like they introduce like the, five characters that it could be. I was about to say most of the shows are just like you just know who it is. Yeah. That's not really. But like the movies have time to introduce a lot more. I think really the only thing of note that I'll shout this out for is that uh, Wendy Malick is in it, and I really like Wendy Malick. She's cool. Yeah, good time. Uh, generally, you know, the vibes are at least nice. Yeah, I didn't rate it because it's Neither a short I. film, but I gave it a like. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> then what did we watch on the twentieth? Still, we watched a little film called Silver Bullet. Whoa! <laughs> I'm sure the Silver Bullet won't be a electric motor or like motorized motorcycle wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, this is from uh, director Daniel Atias. Atias, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. I'm so sorry. It's Atias. Um, but he, the reason I found out about this is he directed um, a few episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, my favorite TV show. That's very funny. And I wanted to see what his movie was like because uh, this is the only like feature film he didn't like just um, do additional directing for. He's like a second unit director for stuff um, uh, for stuff like ET and One from the Heart. You know, mm, yeah. pretty big movies. Um, but this is one of his 
like actual like the dire- director director credits. Oh, wow, it's a Dino De Laurentiis uh, produced film. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, but yeah, it's called Silver Bullet. It's adapted from a Stephen King novella um, by a different name. I don't remember the name of the. And, <laughs> it's a werewolf thing. Not, on, not only that, but Stephen <laughs> King on the screenplay. Yeah, this is, this is, which is not a good sign typically. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of a, bad the, a lot of the movies that like he wrote himself uh, do not have the greatest reputation. But this is like one of the higher rated ones that he yeah. actually wrote. Yeah, and you know, it was it was fine. It was, yeah. it was fun. It was fine. <laughs> the werewolf stuff, very cool. Um, I loved how, like, gruesome all of the werewolf attacks are. The, the, like, Gary, crazy, the Gary Busey stuff. Ooh. Weird. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. So much of the movie is just, like, strange. It's not really, like, boring, per se, but, like, it's just odd. <laughs> yeah, like, Gary Busey will come in and he'll be like, Well, son, you gotta something misogynistic something weird something i don't even know mechanics uh werewolves are not real and then he makes him a super dangerous wheelchair dude and that's like half the movie it's so funny he literally like he makes him a motorized wheelchair but it literally is like a motorcycle okay well the first one he makes i was like oh that's pretty neat that's funny yeah. he uses like a he uses like a lawnmower engine mm-hmm. and has a little joystick like like we have as a lot of our motorized wheelchairs now yeah and he can just kind of putt around it's, putt it's around. loud but it's like functional it's functional <laughs> yeah and then he makes the silver bullet and it is a full-on motorcycle well, see man. micah the first one's called the silver bullet this is silver bullet 2.0 silver dude. bullet 2.0 <laughs> it's is a like full-on motorcycle <laughs> this thing is going like 50 down the highway <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> but yeah um I don't know. I thought it was funny. I said, this is like um, from the, when you ask your mom, can we have that? And they're like, we have that at home. This is that version of Midnight Mass, basically. Yeah. It's, which if you've seen the movie, it makes a bit more sense. But also it has Everett Mc- McGill. I yeah. Think, yeah. McGill, uh, which is a Twin Peaks alumni. Cool. So that's fun. I saw him and I was like, hey, it's like Twin Peaks. Yeah, I th- I think it's like worth a visit just for it. Like if you are into like cool werewolf stuff, like I think it's werewolf stuff is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the pacing is really shoddy and like the characterization of all the, you know, different characters in the movie is really weird and weak. No, yeah. And it's, like flimsy. It's a weird movie. It's, it's Stephen King's script, you know, <laughs> and it's one of the more likable Stephen King scripts. Yeah. And again, the werewolf stuff is fun. But outside of that, which weird. there's just not much plot outside of that. So it just, it, like, it's fine. It's pretty good. I gave yeah. it a three out of five. I also gave it a three out of five. A pleasant experience, but not a great one. Not one I would return to. Yeah. Uh, after that, I watched a film called The Ghost of Sierra de Cobre, which is directed by Joseph Stefano. Actually written, directed, and produced uh, by Joseph Stefano. Stefano was busy. Yeah, he's the writer of Psycho. Uh, that's what most people would probably uh, yeah, know him yeah. for. He was like the sole screenwriter for that. Uh, and this very much feels like... Uh, like, I, I can see where... Like, I, I can see the connecting tissue between the two movies. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more like obviously it's a ghost story um it it feels very reminiscent of a lot of the italian like ghost movies i've watched uh in the fact that it's like very flashy and like a lot of the images are very striking it's it's visually a very cool movie and there's a lot of really awesome like ghost effects in it actually especially considering it's the mid 60s yeah 
Um, but it's just really boring. <laughs> like it's, it's like the most boring. Fatal flaw. Yeah, it's like the most boring version of this movie, which is like a real shame because it like the mood and atmosphere and like general premise is really cool. It's like this um, mother who's scared of being like buried alive. Um, she installs like this phone in her crypt, like the family crypt and like uh, she dies and the son is starting to get calls from the ghost phone. So he calls in like this paranormal investigator to come find out if he's actually being haunted. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like they do a lot of, like I said, like really fun, like neat stuff visually. But like the actual plot of it is just so boring. Like not much actually <laughs> happens in the movie. And like even the like climactic scenes where like people are dying and like driving off cliffs and stuff. I'm like this. It's just so it, it's so <laughs> I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about any of these people. <laughs> I care. I care so much about the setting, but like I don't care about anything that actually happens in yeah. the movie. Yeah, I get that. Which is a real shame. I wanted to love it so much more. And I know it has like um, actually on here it has like a 3.3 average on Letterboxd. But there's a lot of like really dedicated people who seem to really like it on here so yeah hopefully it has an audience beyond me <laughs> but i was not um too fond of it i think i want to give it another shot sometime just to see if i like vibe with it a little more um but yeah the ghost of sierra de cobre i gave a three out of five which i'll i'll shout out like during that time um i made actually a uh, a film experiment thing that i was working on yeah that i had the idea for for a while like while they watched this i had kind of finished it up i had been working on it for most of the day um and it's called vampire uh it's on my youtube channel m grayway films it's like 26 minutes <laughs> and it's a i, I don't know i think it's kind of neat mm, and what do <laughs> i know what i what the goal was i was going to use um all stock and like old footage that was public domain off of the internet archive yeah as well as songs and stuff that's public domain off the internet archive <laughs> and like try and craft a narrative film out of a kind of you know it's an abstract narrative film obviously but try and create some kind of an emotional narrative with silent film tactics yeah. over a like using just found footage and not like found footage but like <laughs> footage i archive found archive footage archive footage yeah um which was really fun and it was really like i don't know it was engaging to do i think it's a cool film experiment i had actually heard of something similar to this from like yeah there's been like, there's been quite a few i was about to say that there's a pretty common thing to do in like film schools and stuff kind yeah. of as an editing experiment really to get you used to trying to craft narrative with editing um yeah so yeah it was kind of like a little personal film school project essentially um, but yeah, check it out. It seems to be getting a lot of love on my YouTube channel, which is funny. I wasn't expecting that. Most of my short films on YouTube get like a couple views and I'm fine with that because usually I'm making them like for myself because I want to experiment with something. Yeah. And this one's like really performing well so far. So go watch that if you want. I'm a bad co-host and brother because I have not watched it yet. But um, Fair yeah, enough, go, go check Fair it enough. out. Uh, then on the 20th, though, later that same night, we're still on the 20th, uh, we decided to watch Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, last week, last episode of the show, we talked about the fact that we had watched Evil Dead for the first time. Mm -hmm. The Evil Dead, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes. Um, yes. So the original Evil Dead, if you will. And we were really excited specifically to get to Evil Dead 2. That was kind of obviously, <laughs> I think, our most anticipated of the series. Yeah. And yeah. 
Evil oh Dead goodness. 2. It rocks. It's so much fun. This is such like a stereotypical like letterboxed film bro take, but right. like um Evil Dead 2 is awesome. It's just it's just <laughs> I do have like some complaints in I how and yeah. how like it is not nearly as kind of scary or Mm -hmm. visceral or even abstract as the first evil dead well the first one is it's very unique uh in the tone it takes on um and this one like completely drops that for something much lighter but not necessarily less entertaining i was about to say even even like the the nc-17 nature of the original evil dead Mm -hmm. really allows it to kind of feel very like even its violence, because that's technically what it's NC seventeen for. Yeah, um, is its violence, and that that NC seventeen violence. I don't know. This is gonna sound weird. Like really <laughs> gives it like this this kind of grunge, this this mm-hmm. punch to what it's doing that this does not have. Yeah. Um. But you know that's not a big <laughs> thing. It's just slightly disappointing to go directly from one to the next. Yeah. This is just offering something completely different. I was about to say there's a completely different draw um, when it comes to Evil Dead too, because like Evil Dead has like a very admirable like grasp on its atmosphere and everything, um, and it, like that's like one of the best things about it. Uh, and this one, uh, <laughs> this is Looney Tunes, the horror movie. Yeah, it's a lot sillier. Um, and I think it succeeds for like its performances and it's like just insane direction and writing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It like, gets, it's awesome. It gets the Ash that I really wanted because Ash in the first <laughs> movie, Williams, I'd only baby. seen, I'd only seen him in Ash versus Evil Dead and like seeing him in the first one, he's such a different character. <laughs> Um, cause he, like, he changes Unibrow so much Ash. throughout all of the films <laughs> and, uh, like seeing him here kind of start to become that kind of goofball action hero right. Ash was really, really fun. And this is, this is just such a creative and fun movie. It's doing I don't know so how many you unique things. Like so much of the, and a lot of its comedy honestly just boils down to really fantastic physical comedy. Right? Like Bruce Campbell <laughs> is hilarious in this. Literally, I think the first, like half hour or so of evil dead 2 is just like him doing like silent comedy bits literally he's just like, <laughs> like struggling before before stuff. the plot even arrives <laughs> as it's trying to like loosely connect itself to the first film <laughs> it is just bruce campbell by himself essentially just like just really around. really trying his best it's so funny dude. um there's some cool stuff like uh the stop motion in this film yet yes. again is really incredible there's more stop um, motion there's more puppets yeah there's more prosthetics there's more blood it's awesome dude. i don't think i don't think there's more. well blood. maybe not more blood but, but you know like <laughs> there's a lot of blood yeah and like the, the, well i was specifically going to mention though like the headless girlfriend yes. sequence is hilarious it's so and funny. it's so cool oh it looks so cool it's it's like sufficiently creepy and really funny yeah that's the thing it's not as off-putting as the first movie is but like it's still unsettling and like you know macabre enough that i'm really into like how awesome everything looks yeah i wouldn't even call this as much of a horror movie but it is definitely like a spooky movie it is yeah. a it is a horror comedy it is, at, its, yeah. at its core but it is like this is way more of like what i would call a spooky movie that i would watch around halloween than the first evil dead is. yeah no the, the first one is very much a full-on horror film yeah like, yeah <laughs> through and through um but yeah i'd like Dude, what else to say about this? Like, 
And wait, it's wait, crazy that add? it ends the way it does. I love that it ends the way it does. I did not know it would end that way, <laughs> but the fact that it leads like straight into Army of Darkness, like the moment they set up the portal, I was like, wait a minute. I know how this goes because having seen mm-hmm. Ash versus Evil Dead, they play a lot from Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2 since those are like the two canon movies, to Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, I know what's happening here. They're going <laughs> to take them. And it leads directly into like um army of army of darkness yeah which i don't know i i think it's crazy because this movie like has like not really a beginning and not really an ending (laughs) which i realize which i realize now though i misspoke (laughs) like five times earlier and everyone's mad at me probably Mm. it's prince of darkness for the for the carpenter film did you say army i kept saying army of darkness (laughs) that's funny yeah prince of darkness you said prince for some reason i know i said army at least once (laughs) prince of darkness is the carpenter film yes army of darkness is the raimi film yes um but uh you know we've rambled on about evil dead 2 long enough but takeaway is good movie (laughs) it rocks it's so it's it's, so fun it's It's just goofy silly yeah the i will shout out one more thing uh the the kitchen scene when it's ash fighting against his evil hand is like the funniest thing in the world smashing just, plates. I was about to say, he's just like smashing plates into himself and like throwing himself around at one point he like he grabs himself with his hand and flips himself around and i i don't know if they like i don't know if they did that fully in camera like I could see that Probably, you could, yeah, you but it could. looks it looks so much like the hand is uh-huh. flipping him that uh, again Bruce Campbell is insane <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, I gave it a five out of five. Visually crazy. I also gave it a five out of five. <laughs> Very much my thing. Uh, then on the twenty first, I watched all by myself. Wow, not actually. So I watched sad. it. I watched it with my mom. <laughs> uh, I, just separate from Robbie is what I meant. <laughs> Uh, I watched The Descent, um, which is a 2005 horror film. It's pretty well known. Yeah, I was excited Um, to see it. It's unfortunately by the same director who did the Hellboy remake, (laughs) um, Neil Marshall. Ooh. And it's kind of going into a genre that I found extremely disappointing that I feel like shouldn't be, which is like the spelunking horror movie. (laughs) I've seen several of these at this point. Spelunking horror. Such a funny corner of the horror scene. I think I need to make one because I feel like (laughs) every single one of them has disappointed me. and And I think it's a really good idea for like a horror setting. Yeah. Um, even as above, so below, which is like, I think the best one that I've yeah. seen of those is still not like fully doing it for me. But the <laughs> descent is like odd because it's like half pretty. It's pretty good. It's it's fun. Yeah. It it's has, exciting. It has a pretty like dedicated fan base. Yeah. It's got like a, it's got a three point six average on Letterboxd. That's good. Yeah. It's got it's got pretty strong visuals. It's got a pretty great cast. It's got some fun horror sequences. But there's just a lot that kind of turns me off to this movie, mainly in the actual plotting. It doesn't fully like make much cohesive sense to watch, <laughs> and like it's kind of. I don't know, a lot of the characters are really annoying, and then it takes this kind of unfortunate twist where, like, it's not a twist, but, like, the two (laughs) most interesting characters are not the main characters, and the two main characters, I mean, technically, Juno is, like, one of the main characters, but, like, Beth and Sarah are, like, the closest, and Sarah is the main character, and, like... They they kind of suck. <laughs> Juno did not deserve all that happens in this film, and like 
I don't know, by the end, I understand that I think, like, what they're going for is that it's, like, Sarah's descent into madness. Whoa. But, like, <laughs> at the same it? time, it is not pleasant to watch, <laughs> not even, like, a fun unpleasantness to watch. Yeah. Or even, like, a striking unpleasantness to watch. Um, the little monster designs are also weird. Like, it's weird that the monsters are in here. I like that there are <laughs> monsters in here, but they use them to really weird effect. It's just a weird toned movie, a weird mm. paced movie. And like, at the end of the film, I'm like, what was the, what was the point of this? Why did I watch this? Like, it's Only not, you can answer that. <laughs> it's not like, there's nothing I really personally grabbed from the film. That's a shame because um, it does look visually really cool. That's yeah, the no, there's I some there's some it. great visual stuff in here. Except for I, I should mention this: the editing is pretty bad. Yeah, you mentioned Taken in your, in yeah. your review. Uh, anytime it gets into like a horror action scene, and except for like the one where she's like supposed to be super still, um, it <laughs> it looks like Taken. Man, they're cutting every point five seconds, probably less that, than man. that. There's a boom, boom, boom 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 it's, and it's really not, hard to do that well <laughs> i was about to say and it doesn't work it's not disorienting like i think is what they wanted to go for mm-hmm. but it just it doesn't it just looks ugly it really does <laughs> and then it's goofy on top of that like you have this kind of horror themed movie but the ending like the ending set piece is just an action set piece oh. it's not a scary set piece it is literally an action set piece just like <laughs> just running and gunning kind yeah, of thing. literally and uh, i was like oh that's okay that's a bit disappointing yeah. so yeah it's again i need to make one of these cave horror movies because all of them have been like oh that's kind of cool but then kind of disappoint me a lot i gave it a three out of five fair enough uh after that i watched a film without you mike hmm. <laughs> called uh king kong versus godzilla i'm watching through the uh showa era of godzilla movies uh, which include the first one, which is like a masterpiece. Uh, but I wanted to watch all of the rest of them just because I really like the like general production design and like the look of them and the feel of them. And like, I don't know, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do in a Godzilla movie, which is probably why they're still being made today. Uh, but yeah, this is King Kong versus Godzilla. This is the third one. Uh, and it's, pretty bad but i watched the american like uh recutting of it it like intercuts a lot of scenes of white guys sitting down and explaining exactly what's happening to you so you don't get too confused (laughs) those americans yeah um it's really off-putting and annoying and like i don't know the way i summed it up in my review is whenever godzilla's on screen 10 of 10 great movie life-changing uh amazing uh emotional gripping beautiful (laughs) etc uh whenever godzilla is not on screen i was like (laughs) i walked out for like five seconds of the film and i was like this might be the most racist five seconds of a movie i've ever seen (laughs) yeah very strange um the top review on the american uh like recut of the movie is they gave a five-year-old in blackface a cigarette (laughs) that is an actual thing that happens in the movie (laughs) Um, and I, I think generally most Godzilla fans are like, yeah, the blackface in this one is not great. Um, I feel like hot, hot take blackface bad question mark. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that's still in the Japanese cut, but I really do want to see like the original, like 1962 version of this. That's like fully what they were trying to do. Cause like all of the actual kaiju stuff in this one rocks, like it's literally awesome. I was like cheering during the entire last (laughs) half hour of it. It's so cool. 
Um, but yeah, overall, weak movie. I gave it a two out of five. Still looking for a way to watch the Japanese one. I couldn't find it. <laughs> uh, didn't you watch something? Yeah, later? on the 21st, yeah, yeah. I watched um, two movies, two other movies still. Um, one of them was The Faculty, Robert Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> and I was really excited for this, uh, mainly because, like, I didn't, like, the. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent sized Robert Rodriguez fan. <laughs> You're casual um, Robert Rodriguez. Well, this fan. is a, this is a Kevin Williamson screenplay, yay, which we yay. have talked about Kevin Williamson so freaking much on this podcast. <laughs> so many people, I, I, it's funny. There are so many people who just like extremely dislike Kevin Williamson's like writing style and everything. I love Kevin. But, and Williamson's we just we just endlessly style. sing praises of I, his screenplay. I think Kevin Williamson's writing style <laughs> is amazing. So I was super excited to get to this, especially with Robert Rodriguez as the director. Because yeah. again, he's a really interesting director. He's a very passionate um, director yeah, at the I, very least. <laughs> I haven't seen a bunch like a lot of his more like adult work, um, which I'm curious to check out at yeah, some dude. point. Um I've mostly seen his kids' movies, but watching The Faculty was very interesting. The cast is really great. Elijah Wood's the lead, which yes. I was super, super happy yes. about. I love Elijah <laughs> Wood so much. And really all of the cast is great in this. Like uh, Josh um, Harnett and Clea Duvall is in this. Mm-hmm. And like just a lot of a lot of people, a lot of faces you would expect to see in it a late like 90s a fun, teen horror movie. Yeah, it looks like a movie. fun like teen horror film. Um, and it just, it just rocks. It's so goofy. <laughs> I think it's really weird that it's like 0% Robert Rodriguez. I, maybe like 5% Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Rodriguez and like 95% Kevin Williamson. Is he um, just indulging feel. like all of his weird little tropes? That yeah, he, likes? he really is. That's and so funny, like, it's dude. just like from a direction standpoint, <laughs> it does not stand out as feeling Robert Rodriguez e to mm. me, but it's still really fun. I love what it's doing. It's like, it's simple. It's not like mind blowing in any way. It's got its pacing issues. It's got its script issues. It's got some wonky CGI, which I guess is expected in a Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, But it's just so much fun. I love the way Kevin Williamson writes dialogue and writes character dynamics. Right. That's what always gets me through his films. I was about to say, and that is just as strong in this as any Scream movie. So... Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, an unregulated Kevin Williamson will write like the weirdest, longest third act of all time. Right. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I gave it a four out of five. Very cool. Uh, then also on the 21st, I watched Insidious Chapter 2. Whoa. James Wan. I had already seen Insidious <laughs> <James> Wan. <laughs> and Insidious 5. Um, which yeah. is funny. We did an episode on Insidious. I thought you were about to, to say we did an episode on Insidious 5. <laughs> no, I was not. like, no, we didn't. Uh, but yeah, I finally watched Insidious Chapter 2. I was not a huge fan of it, but I wasn't a big fan of Insidious. I actually think Insidious Chapter 2 is honestly the much stronger movie out which of the so two. Which is so funny. <laughs> it's, it seems to have its head on its shoulders a bit more. It feels less overdone. It feels... Insidious is a deeply silly movie. But... I don't know. It, it just works a lot better for me personally. Yeah. Except for, unfortunately, it leans on some like pretty rough tropes when it comes to gender stuff in this mm. film. It really sucks and really makes me kind of want to disengage with what the film is doing. Yeah, because that's like it doubles down on it and it's it's fully into that. And I'm like, <laughs> oof. So that's a shame. The Insidious series continues to be one that is not my favorite. But honestly, this this one's fun. It it has more uh, Tucker and Specs, and they're fun. <laughs> so. 
what can you do? There you go. I gave it a three out of five. Insidious chapter two, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, on the 22nd, I sat down and watched The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is like a weird little like faux documentary made in 1976 about a series of murders in a Texas, Arizona town, uh, Texarkana. Texarkana. <laughs> I think it like is like on the line between the two or something. I don't remember. <laughs> um it's very cool i think um i'm not usually like usually i'm a bit turned off by um like movies that are based on true stories especially horror films yeah we've talked about that in length before yeah yeah they're just i don't know they always feel very like they can so easily veer into being like exploitative of people's like very real trauma and like heartache and everything um and this one isn't immune to that criticism (laughs) at all um but i do think it is um a very cool artifact of its time at the very least like it's a very well researched and seemingly empathetic take on like a series of unidentified murders you know about as about as sensitive as you can be yeah uh, it has some really good staging. Uh, a lot of the lighting is really nice. The atmosphere's um, pretty cool when it wants to be. <laughs> um, really, the biggest criticism I can throw at it is that it's like tonally just all over the place. It like kind of ping pongs around from being like really dark and intense and like all of the killing scenes are just really amazing which (laughs) is like simultaneously a good thing for the movie's sake and a kind of a bad thing for you know like the production's sake yeah um but like i don't know it it, the most admirable qualities of it are that those are really well staged and like edited and you know paced and everything yeah but all of the like actual investigation stuff ranges from like silly goofy police procedural comedy to you know like just straightforward procedural that you would usually get with a slasher like this yeah um and it doesn't go full slasher really it's more uh proto slasher seems like the best phrase to describe it (laughs) uh but yeah uh neat framing device but kind of an overall weakish movie because of its weird tonal stuff yeah I gave it a three out of five. Gave it a three out of five. Can you believe it? (laughs) I can believe it, yeah. (laughs) Uh, After that, I watched Werewolves Within, which is a comedy from 2021 directed by Josh Rubin. I heard about it back when it came out. Uh, It's got Sam Richardson in it, which is pretty cool. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, and I want to see I want to see him in more comedies like other than like TV shows because he's great (laughs) in like uh, the after party. He plays the lead in that. Uh, he's great and I think you should leave. Yeah. Uh, and he's really fun here too. Definitely. Uh, unfortunately, like the script is a little, I, I think Juliet, uh, described it in her review as like liberal Trump era humor. Like that's (laughs) the whole thing is like built on that. Um, like, I don't know. It, it kind of works, but it can get a little overbearing at times. And I think that really does hamper my enjoyment of it a lot. Yeah. And the fact that like, generally it's a little limited on its actual like you know horror indulgence like it's generally spooky and like it works well as like just an ensemble movie kind of like knives out does yeah um which it very much feels like a riff on knives out 
which is strange. I mean, I guess it did come out afterwards, but <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Generally, I liked the cast. Um, and, you know, the screenplay is generally admirable. I don't know if I should spoil it because there's like a pretty big spoiler. No, I, wouldn't. At the end. I wouldn't. It's pretty new. Right? Yeah, it's it's pretty darn new. Um, but yeah, I gave it a three out of five. Uh, a lot of the technical stuff is just solid enough that I was like kind of buying into it. I was I, I was along for the ride, you know, yeah. <laughs> I gave it three out of five good time on the 22nd i watched or rather rewatched yet again i just talked about this but i rewatched <laughs> it again this time with my girlfriend because she had not seen it uh crimson peak which i'm working on a video about right now hey hey right this very minute i'm typing out the script <laughs> as i speak He's typing it on his phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> no um but yeah i just wanted to rewatch it it's a it's a classic for me it's one that i just I, I would watch it anytime, any place. It's not a perfect film by any means. It has its <laughs> <No>. flaws. <laughs> I think, honestly, even my four and a half is a bit generous. It it's is. probably like a solid four-star film. Yeah. But I really admire it for what it is and what it's doing historically. It's not Del Toro's best. <laughs> it's not even close to his best. But I think it is memorable and worth note. And I think it's really, really fun and spooky and it's got great atmosphere. I think you can just tell, like literally my the biggest reason I admire Crimson Peak is you can just tell how much Del Toro loves it. Yeah. <laughs> like that. There's so much love put yeah, into it. Yeah, like every scene you can just tell he's so into it. <laughs> yeah, so I gave it again a four and a half out of five. I love Crimson Peak. Great stuff. Cool. Uh, late on the 22nd, I sat down and watched... The, uh, the Town That Dreaded Sundown, the 20... <laughs> the 20 you're like, wait a minute, he already watched that movie. But it's the 2014 uh, remake sequel thing. Uh, requel, if you will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was... I don't know why it like in, interested me so much. Um, but The Town That Dreaded Sundown is such an interesting artifact of like you know, like, like I said, like faux documentary filmmaking, like they got a lot of very inexperienced local actors to work on the film, um, like the original one. Yeah. And it's, it's a very interesting piece. Uh, it's not quite like close up or anything like that, <laughs> but it's something like adjacent to that, less um, impressive than that. Yeah. Uh, so I was like really interested to see what a remake of it would look like. Uh, and what I was greeted with was like a Texas version of a Scream movie, <laughs> which is very like funny, I think. Uh, and like, honestly, I think one of the coolest things you can do with like a movie that like prides itself on how factual it is, if you go about making a very like, you know, slashy slasher movie <laughs> yeah um, like you can examine like the nature of true crime a little bit, at least offer like. Um, some sort of retrospective look at how the production of the first one and the legacy it's had and like the hurt it might have caused back when it came out. Yeah. Um, Cause it was only like 20 years after the murders had initially happened that the movie came out. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and like I said, this one examines that in a very direct way. Like the director's son is a character in this movie. Um, like it's, it's a really neat, uh, artifact of like requel stuff when it comes to true crime uh, it like pulls a lot of its plot beats from something like scream 2 i compared it a lot to like uh wes craven and kevin williamson's work that they did together mm. on like scream movies kevin williamson i wonder if yeah we're talking about him yeah dude it's like such a meta slasher <laughs> like I, I i i don't know it it makes me so happy to see like something this 
thoughtful about like going about making a slasher movie. And even though it is basically made irrelevant by like Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson doing it so much better, like a few years before this, uh, it's still really cool. Like aesthetically, it's kind of doing something similar to Scream 4, where it has like that kind of um, hazy retro look to it, like that very intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a bunch of people just like on Scream 4 saying that it looks ugly. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> It has such a beautiful glow. You get so many like Dutch angles and just like really ambitious camera movements and staging and lighting. It's very clear that a lot of thought went into its cinematography. And I really love that about it. Uh, Yeah, it's really vicious and uh, like introspective in a strange way. Very meta. Uh, Yeah, cool movie. I'm like really fascinated by it and I really want to watch it again. It's really awesome neat (laughs) yeah like i said i said in my review that it's like the best case scenario for a requel sort of thing for the town that dreaded sundown it's very cool to me yeah (laughs) i give it a four out of five then mere hours ago well we watched the 2023 film oh i haven't added this to my ranking whoa uh cobweb cobweb uh samuel bowden directorial debut yeah his debut uh, with anthony or not anthony 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 star um hit (laughs) the boys actor very funny (laughs) um and yeah it's it's a weird and it's a, it's, a, it's a little it's a weird little film uh yeah um <laughs> didn't love it i don't know i don't know what to say about cobweb i i admired the idea of cobweb i think like it's kind of playing up um something that del toro might do um or something that was done in like hatching where it kind of tries to take on this um like th- not quite theatrical but like almost fairy tale approach to horror yeah and it just doesn't work here like i just literally think it's unsuccessful (laughs) yeah it's it's just i don't know it's kind of bad like it's not even bad but it's kind of bad i think it just feels like a a a big fumble in every department yeah yeah that's a that's a better way of putting it like it's got good things here and there but it just doesn't know what it wants to be and it gets really muddled. I think the parents, the two actors that play the parents, um, Lizzie Kaplan, Kaplan yeah. and Anthony Starr, are really, really fun as the parents. I don't know, man. Like, as as fun as I think they could be, I just really don't like the way they go about writing all was, of their scenes. I was about to say, but I was about to, like, even that is kind of, well, I was going to say their performances oh, are yeah. really fun. But even that is overshadowed by the fact that it doesn't feel that they that they know what to do with them. Because I think, like, Anthony Starr, especially given, like, recent stuff with the boys, like, he's a really, really powerful actor. He's He's got a very interesting charisma about him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that works well for something like this, theoretically. It, but it just doesn't know what it wants to do with them as characters. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to do with anything. And then, the like, the twist comes out with, like, the horror monster, and it doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to do with that. And it really feels like it kind of has, like, the message of, like, oh, uh, don't be deformed. <laughs> that feels like the message of yeah. the film. And it's, that really sucks. It's really bad. It's weird, In that weird. department, in terms of, like, what the takeaway from the film is. I, there's some fun horror violence in this. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually going to mention, like, I, if the whole thing was as 
fun as the finale is like i think the finale actually has some like decent staging and like some fun scares and everything yeah but like it's just the rest of the movie's so just completely unengaging to me like i just don't care yeah <laughs> i don't care about the rest of the film um which is a big strike against it in yeah. my book um but yeah i don't know strange film Very probably strange. not i probably won't ever revisit Jeez. it what the heck <laughs> Um, yeah, strange film. I probably won't ever revisit it, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I finally watched it. I've been trying to like actually keep up with horror films a bit this year. Um, yeah, which is interesting because this has been a big year for horror directorial debuts. <laughs> uh, and this is probably unfortunately my least favorite one. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes me, it makes me upset. Really? <laughs> I could, I could see Mr. Samuel becoming a lot better Yeah, and like having some really fun ideas and like his direction growing, but this was just, it, it's not all there yet. It's not yet. for me. It's not least. all there yet. <laughs> but I would love to see Anthony Starr in more movies. Get him yeah. in some movies. He's Get fun. Movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gave it a two out of five. Gave it a two and a half out of five. Not, not for me, but you know, not like the death of movies or anything. No, no. And that <laughs> is what we watch. It's what we watch, baby. This is the I was I said before we started this like oh it'll be a shorter episode. <laughs> I mean it's technically shorter than what we've been putting out lately. Yeah, we just have two long-winded opinions now. We've I been know. doing it for too long. We're... It's just like YouTube or anything. Like you do it enough and you just get longer and longer. Uh, <laughs> alas, but yeah, I, I, you got to hear me rant and rave about the town that dreaded sundown. My latest horror obsession. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was a very spooky season episode. Ooh. Go watch some spooky stuff. Go watch some Scooby Doo. <laughs> Ignore um, the fact that we watched like nine things on the twentieth. <laughs> right. Watch uh, Watch Crimson Peak if you're okay with what's in it. Ooh. That's a really cool movie. Watch Evil Dead Two if you're okay with what's yes. in it. Oh my goodness! Um, go watch so cool. Killers of the Flower Moon in theaters. Yes, go do it please personally. Go watch you theaters. Um, definitely go it's watch so it good. in IMAX or Dolby. Especially <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, go watch In the Mouth of Madness. That's a pretty cool <laughs> film, and it's pretty. It's pretty clean. Yeah, I don't know. Go go check it out. Yeah, do be warned. Um, as much as I praised uh, the Town That Dreaded Sundown requel thing, it is not a very clean movie. So, <laughs> um, be warned. Yeah. But go watch some good movies. Again, watch some Scooby-Doo. That's my big thing. Yeah, dude. Scooby-Doo rocks. Scooby-Doo rocks. That's the, that should be the we need a We need a Kevin Williamson <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie, and I mean we need it today. Oh, my goodness. The, <laughs> that would be, like, the greatest film of all time, probably. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah. Scream 6. Scream 6. Scream 6.